Welcome to NIL Undressed. I'm your host, Ryan Schockner, and we go back down to New Orleans, Louisiana, home of the 2009 Super Bowl champion, New Orleans Saints. And today we have Blake Williams, coach of the Saints, Super Bowl champion, Blake Williams, sounds pretty good, talking about what he learned being on that Saints team and in that organization, and then how he used that to impact NIL and the lives of athletes across the country. Hey, Blake, I appreciate you joining us. You know, typically we get some rapid fire questions here, and I know you're up in the Cleveland area, but you've also journeyed around with the NFL. So let's do, you know, favorite spot. If I'm going to come to Cleveland, uh, where, you know, where do I need to grab something to eat? And, and what is it? Uh, what's the menu item? And then all your time in the NFL, mm-hmm. if I'm, if I have, you know, a bucket list, where do I go see a game and how do I maximize that experience? What's the best stadium fan base and everything that you've come across? You know, what is that? And, and, you know, what, what's that bucket list item that I need to absolutely go and, and, uh, and take advantage of? Yeah. Thank you very much, Ryan, for, for having me on here. I'm appreciated, excited about this. Um, yeah, a, a very nomadic life, right. In, in, in professional sports, it is, it is a nomadic life and, um, Cleveland's where I'm, where, where I've settled, not where I'm from, but it's like, uh, my adult hometown, when you move around as, as much as, uh, I have in a life of life in sports, you get to kind of choose your, uh, your home, your adult hometown when you settle down, so to say. And, um, as far as Cleveland goes, um, I would say my favorite, my personal favorite kind of place in Cleveland just so happens to be um, um, where my uh, um, private wealth management firm, Lakefront Capital, is. And it's a, it's a place called The Flats in Cleveland. And it's just this little um, corner of where the mouth of the Cayuga River meets the uh, meets Lake Erie. And um, the, the the Brown Stadium is, is right next door right there as well, too. And um, so it's like right there on the waterfront. It's kind of, you know, um, you know, modern. It's got probably 12 to 15, you know, little restaurants, you know, and, and whatnot there and kind of nightlife and everything. And that's kind of my favorite area. I love kind of being on the water um, and everything. But in terms of um, if you had to pick one place, I would probably say and it's hard to get into. Right. It's hard to get into. Um, if you were if you're traveling, you probably got to you know, make make reservations you know, months in advance. Um, but there's a, a place called the Marble Room in 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 uh, Cleveland. It's a steakhouse. It's, I mean, it's a famous steakhouse. You know, yeah. Probably one of the top ones, you know, outside of, you know, New York City or, or, or Chicago. I mean, it's a big time place. It's actually in one of the old time um, banks. And so just, you know, oh, rambling cool. on a little, not to get off topic, but a little bit of old history yeah. of Cleveland. You know, Cleveland used to be a big time you know, Mecca city, big time wealthy city, right? The, the, all the um, titans of the Gilded Age lived here, right? The JP Morgans, um, you know, all, all of them, you know, the steel tycoons and the railroad tycoons lived here. And they each had their different bank, right? They had their own personal bank, you know, where they housed their money. And then, you know, some other people, you know, and whatnot, but they all wanted to have their own bank. And so you've got these cool, big old, um, 
you know, historic buildings that have been repurposed into various, you know, various different things. Um, now, um, event spaces, bars, restaurants, and, and marble room is, is one of those. And so, I mean, you walk in and it's, it's very much, you've got that, that old Gilded Age Oster and everything and, um, amazing steaks, um, amazing experience. And then one of the cooler, um, probably one of the coolest, um, uh, desserts right they've got this like one custom dessert where they bring it out in a um in an old school um like a deposit box almost like from the bank <laughs> you know and they get the little plate in there and they've got this um you have to get these little gold coins like chocolate you know gold coins and it's this um gold bar it's a, it looks like it's a gold bar right like a little little gold bar but it's a it's a cheesecake essentially um and it's a, but it looks like a, a like a gold bar with that kind that's of gold on it and that's a, it's a pretty cool experience so i would say probably the marble room um in terms of in terms of the other one that you're speaking about i mean i love cleveland um but in terms of um in terms of environment uh i've never been in anything like like the superdome uh, I, I coached at the Saints, um, won a Super Bowl at the Saints. Um, uh, we were obviously a little biased work because, I mean, we were, it was not only an awesome environment, but we were winning a lot. I mean, the three years yeah. that I was there, we won, we won more games in those three years than anybody else in the NFL. So it was kind of, and, and the Super Bowl. And so it was rocking and rolling. But but that environment where you, you have that, the whole New Orleans vibe, French Quarter vibe with that dome and how raucous and crazy that crowd gets. And it's just it's just so ridiculously loud um, in there as well too. That that would have to be the number one um, environment I've experienced in my in my life in the the league. Yeah, that's super cool. And that was, I mean, they had one hell of a team uh, when you were down there. I mean, it was uh, they were rocking and they were rolling for sure. Not just the fan base. Let me ask you this: so uh, very high performing, high level performance on that team, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, what did you learn just from that environment and operating and sustaining at a high level that you've now taken into life after football? Yeah, I mean, I think you see, um, I think a big part of it in the grand scheme of things, because um, I was always that type, you know, a grinder, a worker, but work smart, not hard. Um you know, but still work hard, right? But be efficient with your time. If you yeah. want to work hard, if you want to work hard um, or long hours, still work efficiently. Like find find ways to, you know, free more time up so that you can get even more done in, in the same amount of time. You know, sort of way, not not just you know punching a time clock to punch a time clock. You know, for a badge of honor, right? Um, that's kind of how the way I always was. Learned that from my time at, at Princeton as a student athlete as well, too. And I think we had a whole culture of that down there. Um, and then I think one of the bigger things I took away from it as well, too, is that. Um, like you're never too big to stop doing that right and yeah. so i mean you see sean payton sleeping in the the office at times when, when when need be on short weeks and whatnot um you know i'll never forget this you know drew Brees, right so drew Brees has already won a super bowl um mvp you know all this you know you know mr everything we are playing and we play on the road on a monday night game um, and we win barely at San Francisco. Um, we went on a, on a, on a field goal that hit the upper, you know, hit the crossbar, you know, and bounced in, yeah. um, and, and, and we win the game, we fly back, we get back, I don't know, in New Orleans, maybe 
four in the morning, something like that, you know. Um, and so me being a kind of a young coach on the staff, like I got to go grind. I go, you know, I go right into work. I kind of half slept maybe on the flight home, but I, um, but I, I went right into work. And at one point in time in the night, I'm going down to like grab a snack, you know, you know from, from the player's lounge and whatnot, hungry. And I kind of go like this and I see somebody and there's somebody in a hoodie, white hoodie and white everything on, uh, in, in the, in the, the, in the locker room, in the player's locker room, like kind of sleeping on, on the couch. It's about five in the morning and, uh, five 30 in the morning. And I'm looking, I'm like, who is that? You know, the, the hoodies pulled tight, you know, yeah, and, whatnot. In the face, yeah. and, uh, and then, you know, the alarm goes off on, on the phone and he gets up and it's Drew Brees. And so Drew had probably for the last 90 minutes or two hours, you know, taking a nap there on the, uh, the thing. And so we just played, we just won the game. We're two and oh, stuff like that. And I'm just kind of, he's like, Oh, what's up, Blake? You know, kind of like that. And I was like, Hey, what are you doing? And he's like, it's Tuesday. Um, and I was, and I was like, you know what? That's right. And he was such a machine. I mean, he's the best of the best of the best, but such a machine. And he had his process, no matter how many games he won, no matter how many stats he had, no much, how much money he made, um, the controlling the controllables. And yeah. he was like the key to that is, Hey, a Tuesday, the reason I have success, the reason we just won that game, the reason I played well here is because at Tuesday at 6 a.m. I do this at Tuesday at 7 a.m. I do this at Wednesday. I do this and that and stuff. I can't control the fact that we played across the country on Monday night football and then had to fly back and now having to play like on a short week and all stuff like that. I can't control that. But at Tuesday at 6 a.m. I do this. And yeah. so guess what? I don't have time to go drive home and get back here, you know, and, and do this. And this is, this is the priority. When we prioritize things, this is the priority. I know what's going to lead me to success on Sunday or Monday or whenever it is on game day. Um, and that's, and that's how he always was. And so like when you have your leaders, your coordinators, your head coach, your, your quarterback, Jonathan Vilma, who was our captain and our starting middle linebacker on, on defense was that same way as well, too. Like when you have the guys like that from the, from the top down, um, being that way, um, you know, and, and have been doing it for a long time, you realize, you know, um, like that's, that's the, that's the standard. And so I was lucky to be around that as a, as a young coach, um, and see that. Um, and, and, and always try to live up to that, you know, going, going forward and impart that on everybody else under my charge. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, that's great. And, you know, I've been seeing now, uh, a lot of like the Georgias and a lot of these high performing college programs, they, there's a lot of leadership that happens within the locker room. There's a lot of delegation of leadership. So the coaches delegate leadership, yes, to the captains, but, but the captains then delegate it to others on the, you know, it's not a one person or two person responsibility. And so when you were, when you're thinking back of those Super Bowl, when you guys were just winning, 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 um, did, did, was there a lot of delegation of leadership from Sean Payton down to obviously the captains, but then Breeze and Vilma to, to other players? Um, totally, you know, um, I wouldn't say, um, and we're talking semantics. I wouldn't say we ever delegate leadership, right? Right, right, um, right. Probably the because, wrong word, but right. But um, in terms of uh, if you want to have a mature 
organization and grow to a matured organization, you have to have um, expectations um, and accountability that has to be owned and police, you know, throughout the the organization and decentralized, you know, so to say, um, yeah. the more the more immature organization is, um, probably the more centralized it has to be. And it was the same way when when Sean Payton, um, you know, um, first got there and, and when we first got there and then you earn respect. You know, we always talk about trust and respect is earned. Yep. Um and if you do a good enough job as a leader as well, too, is you're you're getting you're allowing them to earn trust and respect and you're earning trust and respect with them. Um, you're setting the standards for them, seeing them um, attain those or even blow past those and buy in. Right. Not not a buzzword, true buy in and what that looks like. And then um, and then it's way more powerful. We talk about like, right, you know, another cliche or buzzword, but it's not, you know, empowerment is powerful, right? Yeah. Empowerment is powerful, but empowerment can be dangerous as well, too, if you don't know um, what you're doing and how you how you do it. I think Sean Payton's great at that. Um, I think, you know, um, my, my father, you know, Greg Williams, you know, I learned, you know, a ton of as well, too, coaching this league is great at it. Um, you know, I think Kirby um, is great at it. And Kirby learned a ton, obviously, from Nick, you know, um, Saban, who's, you know, phenomenal at it. Um, right in that that whole tree of people. Um, but yeah, you definitely do that. One of the big things we always talked about and I learned from 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 the coaches that taught me was, hey, we don't they used to say, hey, we don't we don't believe in one voice, but we believe in one message. And and so it was the way that they got people to buy in and have now multiple voices speaking, talking, um, each being individuals in and of themselves, but but preaching the same message and yeah. living the same like core core mantra and goal um, that gets where we want to go. And that takes, that takes a, that takes, um, there's an art and a science to that. Right. And it takes a yeah. little bit of time um, and, and some bonding and, and some, and a little bit of luck sometimes and some skill. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely an important thing. If you want to have like a, if you want to build a real culture and a real organization that's sustainable. <laughs> Yeah, and I think you said it's built through trust, right? I mean, you you had your the highest performers were exhibiting a behavior, and and the and this is a good lesson for those student athletes that whether they go and play pro or just get a job after they're done competing in athletics is you 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 don't wait to get anointed a leader. You can show these leadership skills, and you can emerge as a leader by exhibiting the right behavior. And then, and then you build that trust, and now you have a little bit more of a voice within the organization, and that's how you can really accelerate uh, just growth, really in any organization, whether it be sports or uh, or non sports. So, yeah, that's that's great. I love. Uh, it's always I wish I wish uh, I know the NFL has the NFL films, but they don't go with the Super Bowl. You know, the the best teams. It's always the you know the the worst performing team that they try and you know, uh, you know, the hard knocks and, and all that kind of stuff. And so it's, you know, I wish they would be able to, you know, follow the top contenders for the Super Bowl just to see that internal locker room, uh, you know, behavior and how it kind of works itself out through the year and off season and all that. Uh, that, that would be, I think that would be great TV, uh, at least for us sports junkies. 
Yeah, no, I, I I totally agree with you. I think I think we we tried to do a a pretty good job after the fact, at least after that that Super Bowl um, kind of document um, a lot um, that it happened, how it had happened, kind of that whole thing. But no, I totally agree with you. And I know they're trying to do some more stuff like in season hard knocks now and kind of have a have a preseason hard knocks team and in season hard knocks team and that whole thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, two degrees well too, like, you know, it's like kind of seen a little bit, uh, as a distraction, so to say from the, from the teams, you know, yeah, you don't want them. If you're a player, you don't want them there. Right. Yeah. right? But, you know, but as a fan, you, you want them there. Sort, so it's yeah, you're worried about any sort of, you know, um, distractions, you know, it's funny because honestly, it's, it, I mean, it's funny it, I think it goes back to honestly, anything in life is like, you don't want it to be imposed upon you. You don't want to, you know, control it because I, I look out there now. And as we get into this, you know, we're more and more and more into this content creation world, right. Is you see more and more of these, even professional teams, you know, creating their own content yeah. um, and doing a lot of content in these leagues. And then even the, the college level as well too, you know, maybe even more so right. Um, in part, because maybe so much of NIL has been content driven, right. As a way to, to monetize in under the, you know, the early rules and the early stages of it. Um, uh, but same thing. Like, I think I laugh is like, I see like what a lot of, in, you know, colleges, you know, even are doing from the, from almost having like their own, what you want to say behind the scenes sort of things. But if somebody came out, the NCA came out and said, Oh, you got to do this, you know, this, this college hard knock, they'd all say no, but right. you know, but they can, you know, control it them themselves and do it and understand the positivity and can control the narrative. So to say, um, then, then yeah, then, you know, they're all, all for it. Yeah, absolutely. So you, you transitioned out of the league and now you're, you're in a lot of things, right? You've got a, uh, a broadcasting business. You've got a um, next level, which is like a, uh, and I'm going to, I'm a butcher this, but it's like a, a, a YouTube um, TikTok for athletes mm-hmm. um, that they can put their content on. And, and it's super cool. Cause I've been playing around on it. Uh, you're a partner at Lakefront Capital, uh, you know, private wealth management and, and then some on steroids um, and I'm probably leaving other stuff out, but you've transitioned out out of uh, and oh, and you and you help manage and and run and and some of the collectives, right? Uh, which is the uh, the redheaded stepchild of NI that, that gets all the attention of NIL. So uh, tell us a little bit about your you know some of the work that you've done in the collectives, and I'd love to get people to understand what they really are right and mm-hmm. and uh because you know we know that money has been been given to athletes before collectives started i mean that's more and more pro athletes now are coming out talk i think it was fred taylor talked about mm-hmm. getting fifty thousand dollars from georgia he didn't even play at georgia they just gave him the money they thought they got him and he went and played at florida and so you know money has been given out and so tell us a little bit about that and some of the other stuff that you're that you're working on now yeah. Um, and so first and foremost, I'll start with, you know, what are collectives? I mean, at, at the end of the day, collectives are fundraising startups. I mean, that's how I look at them. That's how I explain them. They are fundraising startups. They're startup companies. They're fundraisers. Um, most of them are for profit. Um, the IRS, we know the IRS like recently got involved with that. 
Um, some of them are maybe gr- are grandfathered in, um, so to say, and, and have you know that that nonprofit you know tax exempt status um, from from prior to it because of the way that they were already existing and structured. Um, but that's what they are. They're they're fundraising startups. Why? Um, because you know for and I, I, most of the viewers probably know NIL stands for name, image, and likeness. Um, but but athletes, college athletes now um, can get paid in a, a small window of um, parameters, not just for anything. They've got to do something, um, right? But um, for, but for their, their name, image, and likeness. So branding and marketing, so to say. Um, it is not pay for play. You know, it is not revenue sharing yet. Um, and the schools, um, you know, here recently have been allowed to, to do some more, um, which is a good thing, um, which is a yeah, good absolutely. thing from... from from just handling all types of you know compliance stuff and protection stuff of of their student athletes, um, but that's really what they are. They're they're fundraising startups, um, and and they're the necessary vehicle right now. The way it's currently structured um, for the um, the the funds to be able to pass through um, to the athletes um, and to have some little uh, um, some level of advice advising and some level of vetting and in protection you know for the athletes um in doing this right because there is no cba like they're at the professional level there is no um for instance like if i wanted to be an nfl uh say i was an nfl agent right i would have to get nfl pa certified take a test pay a fee background checks all this type of stuff like that I could and anybody could go walk in right now and it, it happens and say, oh, I'm, a, I'm an NIL agent. I'm a this or that um, agent and um, charge whatever, take whatever commissions, you know, uh, do it, do whatever, you know, um, you know, with regardless of backgrounds or background checks or, or whatever. Right. And so there needs to be some sort of, you know, checks and balance and, and help, you know, as well, too, um, on on all of this stuff for, for the athletes and their families. And so the collectors kind of serve. Um, is that is that standpoint in terms of what what I've been doing um, to help um, is is really anything I can um, kind of that's all way I've always been as a, a novel problem solver I'm an advisor I'm a strategist and so help with advice um, from all different vantage points right from the financial advisory you know standpoint from the um, okay how to how to how to brand yourself how to build your brand how to how to monetize that. Um, you know, how to, how to do these, these things. Um, and then, uh, um, also how to, you know, get your, your voice out there. Right. And, and, um, those sort of things. And then kind of how, like you talked about it from, from having a media, you know, from being a part of, you know, the fastest growing media company in the country and big play, um, a tech, a big tech startup, um, in the NIL space, you know, built to help, help do this stuff, um, with the branding and marketing and next level. And then the financial advisory firm at Lakefront Capital kind of have three, three, um, companies that can kind of facilitate. Um, that stuff for the individuals and then also for the collectives, right? Um, yep. A lot of these, you know, a majority of these collectives are ran from a marketing um, spin standpoint. Um, and by so mar- marketers, um, boosters, ex-athletes, um, but they're not necessarily from the financial world. 
um, but they've got the connections, they've got the, their heart in the right place, all that type of stuff to, to bring in the money and then pay it right back out. But we know that's kind of like in, living institutionally hand to mouth. That's not a sustainable model. Right. Um, so what, I, what I've stepped in as a, as a fiduciary um, for some of these collectives and taken them on as clients as well, too, and started um, trying to get some of these collectives and some of these athletic departments um, to have, you know, professionally managed endowments um, to set something up where they can, can you know, into the future, you know, can control and self-fund some things and create some stability, just like these, these, just like these institutions themselves, right? The schools themselves have endowments and have for a long time um, with this dynamic change. You know, they uh, the 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 fundraising arms and the athletic departments need to have those those endowments as well, too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a great you know, I I can't believe that it's 2023 and we're just now talking about athletic departments doing this type of stuff. Right. It blows my mind. You know, it does and it doesn't, because in working with a lot of athletic departments, you see just how. You know, they've they've been running things a certain way for decades and they haven't strayed from that. You know, this is the model that we've always used. And, you know, this is what we're all we're going to use in the future. And and, you know, especially when we now bring in NIL, which is um, and I think we both agree long overdue, but you're creating that ecosystem to where, hey, we can show you how to do some of this. And we're going to give you the space to to get out there and start putting out content, learn how to do that aspect. And we've got this broadcasting arm, which we can help, uh, you know, increase the volume of your voice. You have this platform. And so that's what I mean, I just think it's super cool that you're creating that ecosystem as well as helping these collectives, because you know, you said it, you know, they're hand to mouth. The second that money comes in, it's, it's out on an NIL, uh, NIL deal. And I, you know, I laugh because you get these people that are, you know, what do they call it? Pay for play. You know, I don't care. Call it whatever you want. Right. The fact is the money was going to a lot of these top athletes. Anyway, I always said, would you rather know about it or not know about it? And now we've got an environment where, we can, it's legalized. We can get, they have to do something for it, right? They have to perform some sort of marketing activity, whether it's an appearance or, you know, that sort of thing. But we, but at least we know that they're getting the money. It doesn't have to be like the Tennessee under the Pruitt with the, you know, the McDonald's bag stuffed with cash. And, and it doesn't have to be that anymore. And, you know, that's one of the things they've always wanted to clean up inside of, of college athletics. And now, you know, we've have a way to clean it up and it's still getting knocked, which is, it's baffling to me. Yeah, I, it is. And you know what? I mean, uh, I, I want to tell, I tell this story cause I, I tell this story a bunch. Right. And so like, I can remember, I mean, yeah, I used I, I arguing about, about NIL, right. Um, well before we ever, you know, called it NIL. Um, but I can remember writing like research papers, right. Or, or, you know, argument papers about this, um, in the, in the late nineties, like early two two thousands, right. As I was getting, you know, going into college, right. And this principle of literally the only people you cannot play games with is players, literally, like you can't play them with players, right. At some point in time, these all started as games, 
right? I talk about like I played at Princeton, like Princeton, you know, they invented football. Princeton and Rutgers played the first game in 1869. You know, pretty sure there was no refs, pretty sure there was no <laughs> coaches, um, pretty sure there was no rules, um, you know, pretty sure there was no uniforms, mascots, fight songs, uh, stands, you know, so to say. I know for a fact there was no NCAA. Um, yeah. Because that was that was that was a Harvard, Princeton, Yale thing, you know, that they got, um, um, you know, invented many years, many years later. Um, but uh, but but the game was played. I, you literally need the players. Um, and and so that, that was something I always argued for. And, and, and you think about this. I mean, it's uh, I remember this as well, too. I mean, there's some real I remember this going in, you know, Princeton, there were some really smart kids. Um, that were just students that I that I not athletes that I went to school with, you know, growing up. And they, you know, instead of going to, uh, you know, taking one of their you know offers to an Ivy League institution, you know, they they like I remember one of them took a full ride to Rice, full ride to Rice um, um, and then had a, 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 a kind of a, a whatever you want to call it, like a work study type thing. I mean, they paid him one hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah. All right. So he had a full academic scholarship and they got paid a hundred thousand dollars a year as well to one of these in, in, in kind of this research grant, you know, sort sort of thing as an undergrad. And so I'm sitting there looking at like, you know, they forever the whole thing has been you the athletes, I mean, you get paid, you get paid, you get your athletic scholarship. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, there's a lot, there's other, and I don't think people realize it. I mean, not that it's not that it's commonplace, but there are other students around the country that get scholarships academically and get paid on top of it for something they provide and and they're not um and, and should be but also they're not bringing in anywhere near the amount of money um yeah. to the to the institution um that the the athletes in the in the in the the tv money and the gate and the merchandise sale and that that the sports is you know um that the sports you know do right and so like they should at least be able to to do the same right yeah. they're the only ones to a degree like not allowed to to do that and so um i'm all for it I'm all for it. I'm as far forward as the other way. I mean, we we need to get other things figured out, like revenue share and all these other things that we don't want to don't want to talk about. Um, I, I don't think I don't think the common fan realizes the amount of money um, that these athletic departments make. Right? I mean, literally the the top the top four athletic departments out of thousands, right? But the yep. top four athletic departments you know, brought in over a billion dollars in athletic department revenue, um, over 250 million a piece um, th this past year, right? Um, we, we talk about where are we going to get this money from? How are we going to do it? I mean, it's right there. Uh, you know, yeah. we're talking about how oh, we can't do this. What we should be talking about, not to get off on a, on a high horse, but there, there are SEC teams who bring in $191 million in, in uh, revenue and spend 198 or 199. And yeah. operated a deficit and like what other businesses are are doing that you know out there in the in the world and then say and oh, how are we gonna yeah. how are we gonna how are we gonna do this um you know how are we gonna pay them you know and whatnot instead of hey that that's that's already a little broken like we we can we need to figure that out you know but um yeah but, it's only eight percent but, but obviously somebody's getting paid off of, off of them and you're operating in a deficit and not yeah. shutting the athletic department down so we can figure it out you know yeah yeah eight percent of the athletic departments make money are, are profitable right mm -hmm. and um i i I mean, I think you should be able to get to well over 50% if it was run like a business. And that goes to my earlier comment of, you know, we've done it this way for decades. 
we're in this new world and we're trying to still operate like we were in the past. And, and it's like, we just need a sway. You know, I think a good example, not just because I'm a fan, but Tennessee and what they're doing with Neyland and building that sports uh, entertainment complex there. It's, you know, uh, there it's a it's a visionary sort of hey we've got 110,000 people that fill this thing up every saturday anyway we can get that to 300,000 and we have a hotel and entertainment district and and now we can truly uh turn this into a profit center and some of that you know looking long term and saying hey i know it hasn't been done before but but why not why not us let's take a let's take a business approach to this and and since sports is a business, let's just make as much money as we can off of it. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. And we look at now, I mean, we've got, I think the big, one of the big debates now is should athletes, you know, what status should they have, right? Should they be paid employees of the university or should we, you know, should they be that 1099 sole proprietor, which which they are now, mm-hmm. Um What's your thoughts on uh, on that? Because because once you go the other route, it mm-hmm. opens up, and you know just from being at with Lakefront Capital, the employee benefit side, and I mean it's it's a very slippery slope um, that that happens. So what what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean very slippery slope when you when you start when you start to get into the W two side of things, right? And then obviously, um, it, then you get into state universities versus private universities all of these these same issues so then it's still not um equal or, or equitable right Re, you know uh, publicly reported versus not having to right and, and and all those things and then how does the um how, how does all of those you know particular things you know factor into it um like you talked about the benefit standpoint um so yeah i mean there's a lot of there's a lot of the gray area, right? You know, um, now do you, do you all of a sudden have uh, collectively bargained agreements? Do you start to almost have like players associations? Do you have players associations for the, you know, by sport, right? Um, does it start to become, you know, kind of, kind of that way, you know, so to say. And, um, and so I, I, I don't know, honestly, I, I know that, um, I know that there's obviously there's dangers on the 1099 side of things. I deal with that as well too, which is who is advising and who is helping um, um, these kids on understanding the tax liability of, yeah. of withholdings and nothing being withholded, um, and and what your um, what your tax liability is on that. So how's that happening? Especially if the the schools are being like hands off, and yeah. if the collective's not 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 properly set up to do that. Right, who is doing that um, and whatnot? And they're like, I, I, I can do it for so many people, right? And 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 it's just luck and chance. I mean, and and this other financial firm or this other collective can do it, you know. But I mean, there needs to be something, you know, more institutional. Um, maybe, maybe, um, you know, you get to some sort of happy medium with, you know, some sort of like fractional workforce you know, type of type of structures. We see a lot of the world kind of post COVID going that direction um, where maybe you have um, benefits or something like that. Some of those things handled by a central hub, um, you know, um, uh, and uh, maybe that's a maybe that is a, a players association type of type of type of thing. Right. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, you got to figure some some way out. 
um, from that standpoint, and in my opinion, some way out to transition to some 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 more that you know revenue sharing um, type aspect of it besides just the um, marketing branding you know content kind of creation side of it. Yeah, you know, it, it, you mentioned two things that I, I I definitely want to hit on. One is the the you know does there have to be transparency with how much these kids are making? And, and is, is the call for transparency more of a power grab uh, or, or, or a reach for power by the NCAA to try and get some control over something that they clearly have zero control over at this point? Yeah. I mean, I, I totally think it, think it is and think it's, it's always, you know, to degree about, about that. And sometimes I, I believe we, the NCAA, I mean, it's, it's, it's some smoke and mirrors, you know, stuff as well too, right? You know, that, that, that whole thing gets you to argue, gets you to worry about and fight about this, um, you know, the sleight of hand when we really want to um, do this, you know, that, you know, down the line, I mean, that's, that's the big time, like institutional politics kind of, kind of long playing the long game, you know, unfortunately aspect of, of what goes on at that level. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's definitely part of it, but I don't, I mean, how is it any different again? Like uh, I go back and like a, co- a coach at a state school, like you can literally get on Google and see their contract with their ink sign signature, the whole, the whole sort of thing. Right. Um, but then you go like not not at Notre Dame, not at Stanford, right? right? And so why would that be uh even if they became employees, why would that be any different for 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 them because they're players? Uh, there's a lot there's a lot of things well, even, too, on that. Like we we hear the arguments about same thing for them. We hear the arguments for them about uh, well, what if they transfer? What if they do this? I mean, we pay coaches and they they yeah. leave, we pay administrators right? These big guaranteed contracts and they go and leave and they may have buyout aspects of it, you know, this or this or that, um, you know, uh, uh, of it, but that, that had happens, right? There's, there would be ways to potentially structure that, right? I mean, you could, I mean, theoretically, like you could structure if you so be it, right? Like a big ticket NIL deal that was had some sort of buyout clause, right? On, on yeah. it, the, the, this, the kid, you know, transferred, right? And they, I mean, they, they, they choose to sign it or not sign it. I mean, uh, I, I don't know how that would be, you know, policed, right, um, and whatnot. But it's 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 possible, right? And yeah. so, well, I think then we blur the lines. I mean, yeah, you could go on and look at their coach's contract, but but that's a performance based contract. They're, they're contracted to do a service for the university, whereas these are marketing activities that the athletes are doing, and so. You have, you know, you see Kirby Smart or Dabo Sweeney or, I mean, you name you name them doing endorsement, but we don't know the details of those contracts. Mm-hmm. And so those are more like the NIL and, you know, even going to, you know, like the NFLPA and the players associations, I think it's, you know, it, it that doesn't govern the endorsement deals of, of that these athletes schedule right that they that they get it doesn't govern it governs the working conditions based on their you know their performance on in their contracts what can be in their in their you know athletic contracts like the the actual pay for play sort of thing and so i i, I don't I, like i get them 
again, I think it's, you said it right. It's smoke and mirrors. It's, it's let's, let's get everybody talking about this stuff, even though, and I'm not a lawyer, you know, I don't even pretend to play one. Uh, but it, it does like, there seems to be pretty fine line and not even fine lines. It's pretty black and white, um, between some of these activities that they're trying to kind of lump together again, I think as more of a power grab, uh, for, you know, staying relevant, right. Because now with, you have the, the, um, conferences kind of realigning and joining, joining for you got these mega conferences, like the NCAA has to be looking at themselves saying, all right, how do we stay alive over the next, you know, 15, 20 years? And how do we stay relevant? And and that would be a way to to do so. Um, and, but it's, but we're, we're meshing stuff that to me just doesn't, it's not meshable, right? Yeah, I totally. And I mean, I mean, you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, it, 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 it makes no sense, you know, on the, um, uh, on the face value, right? Yeah. Um, you know, if you're not t- talking about, you know, the, the Machiavellian, you know, nature of it, you know, the, um, but on the face value, it, it makes no sense on, on that standpoint. And then I think that the battle that, um, the NCAA is, you know, kind of, you know, trying to, to navigate now, and it's very interesting to see, um, and sometimes I, I've said this before, sometimes bullies get bullied, um, and, and you've been the bully for so long, um, but now starting to really, you know, bite off more than you can chew where, I mean, this is a, uh, you start to get into antitrust, you know, litigation stuff, and it's a state by state government type thing. And in state, it's very interesting to see these these state lawmakers, um, you know, kind of fighting back on not even in, in not even nil things on all things, right? Like bans, yeah. bold bans, um, you know, uh, other you know type of sanctions and stuff like that, and sitting there saying like within their state constitution, you have no you know authority to do this, and like and you come get some if you want if you want yeah. some but like, do you really want to take on a, a a a state you know um state government do you really want to you know do this and and um it's 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 interesting when you you think about like where that where those those threads you know may 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 pull and may lead to and unravel to you know yeah and i think i think a great example is the uh how the state of tennessee handled the Pruitt investigation and what they did, like you said, the, the state legislature uh, made it so that, you know, you would be hurting the university, you would be hurting the players. If there was a bull ban, go ahead and find them, right? Find them, whatever you want to find them, but they're not going to, you know, vacate wins. They're not going to have a bull ban. And if you want to come pick that fight, like we're here, we're ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no doubt. Um, and you see like, you know, JMU's president, you know, has, uh, you know, recently got on, you know, about that, um, Texas and Missouri earlier this summer, you know, that kind of semi humorous little battle back and forth with the NCA, you know, NCA coming out and saying, no, Hey, when, when, if your state laws and, and are, you know, if you're trying to figure out between like, which ones to follow, you know, the NCA bylaws or state laws, like, you know, defer to, to our laws, they take pre- precedence and the states looking at them, you know, like giving them almost like that meme treatment, like, huh? Like, yeah. You're you're not even a law you're not even a lawmaking body. These are yeah. literally laws, and like just to put their stamp on it, like you know Missouri or whatever, um, you know, uh, expediting a bill through that literally stated hey, our laws take you know precedence. Yeah, um, you know, um, 
but then a whole nother, you know, bugaboo or, you know, in that, that, that particular law right there, where um, if you remember back this summer where they said, Hey, at least within their state, you know, Missouri, uh, able to be make, um, in-state, you know, NIL, um, NIL, uh, uh, endorsements, NIL contracts, you know, um, depending upon where they, you know, where high school athletes attend college, yeah. you know, from, from that standpoint. Right. And so like, that's, that was like, I was like, Whoa, wow. I was like, I was in Missouri visiting my family when that all went down. And I was like, this is going to be, uh, this is going to be interesting to see how this is, this is potentially gamed and where that goes. But I think it was brilliant. You know, they're looking to get some more of the talent to stay in state and, you know, start making money now in high school, but you've got to stay within state to, uh, you know, to make it all kosher. And so, I thought it was I thought it was a brilliant move uh by you know by Missouri. If our coaches, if our teams can't do it on their own, we're gonna we're gonna do what we can to help boost them uh with with our laws. So uh one question before we head out, Blake. So um what is the next most of and we said it earlier, most of the uh NIL deals right now have been social media based and and i've said for a long time that's like the low-hanging fruit here um what do you see as the next kind of advancement in some of these athletes uh earning revenue beyond just that posting online yeah um i think um again i always say you know control the controllables right and so um i i do I do believe like revenue sharing and stuff like that, no different than NIL in and of itself. There's those, those are going to be the fruits of another generation of, uh, of, uh, of athletes, right? I mean, these, these athletes, you know, may most, uh, there's a lot of not red shirting, not, not playing five years anymore. Um, and I'm not even talking about just football players, just in general, right? So like, let's assume four years at most. I mean, we know how slow these, these, these things go in these sort of battles. It's going to be for another, um, you know, you know, generation of, yeah. of players, even if it's four or five years down the line. Um, but I mean, I think as anything, I mean, I think these these students are, you know, super bright, super intelligent. Um, and so more and more ways for them to maybe look into understanding their platform um, and understanding um, how to, you know, equity investing partnerships and in, in, in whatnot right and so I, yeah. I try to educate them on that a little as well too right so sometimes you know um how to you know potentially um you know get or take if you know possible equity you know over and even beyond you know money or, or some combination of the two um and or taking your nil dollars and potentially investing it into say like your own business your own startup your own um you know, thing, you know, it may be a couple of these students over students or student athletes that are your friends over here that maybe have, you know, the ideas have the platform have the whatever you've got the brand, right? And you're the you're the brand, you're the marketing, you know, um, face, you know, um, that the part the the president of sponsorship, you know, standpoint, um, but we get an idea, you know, an understanding and a start in entrepreneurship, you know, early, um, you know, and, and then maybe as well too. Some things that I've been like trying to, you know, advise them or get them into looking into is um, when you just look at the Ford, like we're sitting on a podcast right now, when you look at the Ford projection of 
um, podcasting and then like fast channels, like where, where things are even going on from a television standpoint, like free ad supported television um, standpoint and like what those projections are in the next decade for, for that, for that, those models, you know, maybe potentially like pairing together and, you know, having, um, getting, you know, their own channels, so to say their own podcasts, their own, um, things like pooling together, even at other schools, pooling together their, their collective, um, thing we see, like we see Pat McAfee and then Aaron Rodgers and then do this. We see Chris Long and Ryan Clark, you know, and Fred Taylor and Channing Crowder, you know, do this. Right. And you look at it and it's like, like I go back to those guys right there. And those are a lot of guys who I coach. They've got the green, Chris has got the green light podcast an award-winning podcast, Ryan Clark, Fred Taylor, Channing Crowder got the, got the pivot, you know, an award-winning right there. Uh, now, then Ryan Clark, you know, got the, 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 the host, you know, uh, you know, in, you know, um, inside the NFL, right. You know, and, and brought Chris Long and, 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 and Shane Crowder along, you know, with him, you know, yep. now they're on Monday night football as well, too, kind of all over. Right. And so this concept of, you know, that, that, that pool, pool branding, you know, so to say, and, you know, potentially build your own, own your own, control your own. Um, you know, sort of, you know, kind of um, content creation and, and marketing and media arm, you know, potentially a place that other athletes, right, you know, are able to, to, to come on, right, but understanding the, um, maybe understanding the velocity of money that's involved with equity, um, uh, entrepreneurship, um, in, in owning your own um, stake or owning your own um, company, right, versus being, you know, paid to do something. And so yeah. I think that's maybe the, the, the next stage, you know, where, where they can um again create create some some of their own you know recurring revenue um so to say that may be initially funded by um some 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 NIL dollars. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that'd be great. And with your broadcasting channel and and everything else you've got going, you've got like I said before, you've got the perfect ecosystem uh to to help facilitate a lot of this stuff for for these athletes. So Hey Blake, tell people how they can find you and and um, you know and and the apps and all that kind of stuff that you you've got. You got a long yeah. list of them, so yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm on all all socials, including you know I'm a president of you know my or a whole separate tech ecosystem and social ecosystem, like you mentioned. And Next Level, you can download Next Level on on the uh, on the uh, the app store um, out there. But you can find me on every every social media out there. Um, Blake Williams. Um, and under under Coach Blake Williams, you know, and and most of that stuff, like you mentioned, I've also got you know my own nationally syndicated sports talk TV show um, and and podcast called the the Come Get Some Show, um, and so you can find the you know the Come Get Some Show on uh, um, on on Twitter X as we call it now and uh, and YouTube um, and whatnot. And if you're up here in this the Great Lakes region on 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 Valley Sports Entertainment or iHeartRadio. So I'm 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 out there a lot of places. You can you guys you can, you guys can find me trying to give advice in 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 all different aspects um of what I've lived in life and learned in life and what I'm trying to impart back on on these young athletes. Awesome. Very cool. Hey thank you for joining us on on NIL Undressed. And every like, subscribe, share, and comment is greatly appreciated. Thank you, Ryan. Appreciate you.